The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to Mind Body Paws with Charlie Kale, holistic living for you and your animals. You found your happy place to nurture your connection to animals with enlightening information from the innovators who make their world a better place. This is Mind Body Paws on Empower Radio. Now, here's your host, fellow animal lover, Charlie Kale. Welcome to Mind, Body, Paws, holistic living for you and your animals. Thank you for being here. Welcome to show number 60, Integrated Dog Training with Michael Wambacher, whose new book by the same name gets down to the basics with the basics of dog training by working with rather than overriding a dog's natural drives and instincts. I'm Charlie Kale, a passionate animal mom, broadcaster, and Reiki master and practitioner in San Francisco at Energy Healing for People and Paws. I get to help people and animals de-stress and release grief and pain. I work with clients all over the world, over Zoom or FaceTime, because energy transcends space and time. Find out more at charliekale.com, C-H-A-R-L-Y-K-A-Y-L-E.com. And a quick thank you to my sponsor, CWALU. That's Communication with All Life University with Joan Renquet. I'm deep into my level two class of animal communication and medical intuition, and I love it. There is no better way to learn than being with your tribe, immersed in a class of supportive people coming from all over the world on Zoom. And you don't even have to be enrolled in class to get that. Joan does wonderful free Facebook Lives, where she'll teach one aspect of energy healing or communication or healing ourselves from grief through a better understanding. Find out more at joanranquette.com, J-O-A-N-R-A-N-Q-U-E-T.com. This is your safe place to honor animals, where we'll nurture our connection to them mentally, emotionally, physically, and energetically. My guest is a longtime dog trainer to the dog trainers. You've seen him on Animal Planet, Good Day New York, View from the Bay, and other TV outlets. He's the author of the books, There's a Puppy in the House, Good Dog, Happy Baby, and his latest, Integrated Dog Training, the Common Sense Visual Guide to Training Any Dog. From the San Francisco Bay Area, please welcome Michael Wambacher. Hi there. Um, uh, thanks for having me on your show. Looking forward to this. Training any dog, Michael? That's a tall order. Well, yeah, you can train just about any dog. I mean, certainly along the lines of obedience, you know, the particular book that you mentioned, Integrated Dog Training, it doesn't really focus on behavior as much as just straight up training. You know, so, um, yeah, you can definitely train any dog. Awesome. Because it's really, I mean, you know, you're kind of training the person too, right? Yeah, it's, it's you know it's a complete education, right? It's so exactly owners, owners need to learn and um, dogs need to learn, and then you know, and then sometimes there's interface noise between those two. <laughs> I've always said there's no bad dog, just bad owners. I don't actually agree with that statement. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's just my view. <laughs> your, bo your book is really, the latest book is very visual. It is full of pictures to show you what you're talking about. But let's talk about why you call it integrated dog training. What are you integrating? Well, you know, it's, it's a long, it's a loaded question. I mean, it's integrated because as, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, 30 plus years now, full time plus. So, uh, and I, I came into the training world at a time when a big transition was happening. You know, the, the old days, it was kind of, you know, choke chains, yank and jerk, uh, boss. Uh, and then, you know, in the 90s, the positive reinforcement revolution came around, which was like, you know, desperately needed. And and, um, and it was a great, you know, change. Um, and then but then, you know, like everything else in our crazy culture these days, uh, positive, you know, positive training, which was enormously helpful, became so-called positive only training where people start taking ideological, you know, they, they start making ideological statements about training before actually encountering a dog and its issues. And it's like, you know, you know, it's supposed to be, you know, you don't say no, it's only positive reinforcement, any kind of aversive control or anything like that is bad. Right. And I just, I, it's just not true. So integrated means finding a, you know, and I don't like the word balance. You know, this is kind of a lot of people say, well, balanced approach where you have room for, where there's a lot of positive reinforcement, but you have room for, you know, if you need it, if you need it, that has to be highlighted, you know, some aversive control or compulsion, which, you know, I think it's pretty self-evident what those mean, but I don't like the word balance because balance implies kind of some kind of 50, 50 thing. And it's not right. Really 50, 50, but, um, what I found is that generally you can get most things done with 97% positive reinforcement and, and in many cases more than that, but, but you have to leave some room. So the integrated is leaving room for when the positive reinforcement stuff doesn't really by itself doesn't work, that there's other approaches that we can integrate in there. And, right. and also that in the sense of motivation for the dog, it's, you know, with the positive reinforcement training, you know, pretty much the emphasis is on treats. And I talk about um, in the book, if, if you read the introduction, you know, there's, um, I talk about uh, transactional training, which is treats, you know, I show you a treat, you give me a behavior, I give you the treat, it's a transaction, and relational, which is more directly, which is unmediated by treats and more directly to do with the relationship that you have with the dog and the owner. Both are important. I never, you know, um, sort of preferencing one over the other, but these things need to be integrated. There's a lot of things that need to be integrated to create a, 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 a coherent uh, multi-level training plan that takes into account uh, not only the temperament, disposition, and issues of the dog, but also the abilities and disposition and so forth of the owner. Exactly. And then finding a way to bring those two together. I mean, that's life. Everything is integrated. Um, nothing is all one way, all the way, you know, to the left and then all the way to the right. And I'm not talking politically. I, I was thinking of a little meter <laughs> and um, and the little needle on the meter. <laughs> yeah, let's not do politics. Um, but I mean, that's the way with health, too. I, I look at it as integrated health, taking, um, you know, some of the things that work from the Western world and then all the many things I find that work from Eastern philosophy, but you integrate great that that's how it is with all aspects of life so I, I i love that um tell me about working with the dog rather than overriding the dog's natural instincts which i love well i mean working with is just finding out what motivates the dog you know and um you know that just takes a little bit of time i mean there's some obvious things i mean in terms of motivators in terms of positive motivators generally there's three right food and treats uh, toys and games, physical affection, you know, and, um, and you want to, you know, we all have different things that motivate us to different levels and degrees. So you want to find 
what motivates the dog and mix it up, you know, mix it up. I mean, treats are a great way to get going. Um, but some dogs are really high drive on balls. So then you want to bring balls and some dogs are much more oriented by physical affection. So, um, you know, you have to t- take the time to get to know the dog a little bit. I'm sort of veering now a little bit. I actually forgot what the question was. I don't want to veer too far. So maybe <laughs> You're, <just> fine. <laughs> You're fine. You answered it. Um, it. It's true. And you don't want to get the dog fat either. You really want to pay attention to what kind of treats you're giving them, how many, how much. I know I always started with my dogs. I started with the affection, the approval, um, you know, they always seem to want my affection first before the treats. And it could just be that's what motivated the, the particular dogs that were in my life. But um, then I, when they got to the dog park and they saw all these people with treat bags, they're like, mommy, you've been holding out on us <laughs> to the point <laughs> where my German shepherd one time. Um, so ran in, we ran into these people. We didn't know them, you know, on the path at the dog park. And she sat right in front of them with big eyes. And they said, oh, what a beautiful shepherd. And the man reached down to pet her and she whipped around the side and pulled his little treat bag fanny pack off his waist. <laughs> I was like in shock and mortified. And I said, okay, you're not rewarding her for that. And I gave him his treat bag back and I wouldn't let him give her a treat. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, no, you do not deserve a treat for that. <laughs> but she was so proud of herself. And she was making oh. sure she let me know, mommy, you never walk around with treat bags on your hip. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I know, right? What are some of the basics um, that you work with with people? Just to, the very basics before you even start training specific issues. Well, it, I mean, I start from the specific issue. You know, somebody calls me up, and um, and you know, people call me because they're having some kind of issue. I mean, it might be just something very general, like, hey, I, got, I just got a puppy. Uh, he's 12 weeks old. I need to get him into you know classes and train him. So then we start from that particular, and then you know, I'll give him a big overview of just what to expect when raising a puppy, and then then you know, give them a plan on on what to do, how to prioritize. But if it's an adult dog, you know, I um, it just depends on how, what what they come at me with. You know, I don't like wasting people's time on the phone by giving them long tracts of, uh, or even or in person or on Zoom consults or what, by giving them long tracts on training theory. So I start from what their needs are, and then I, you know, I'll, you know, interview them a little bit and then figure out what I think might be a solution, and then I'll start introducing the elements of the program, and then and then after that, giving some kind of you know some context for why this solution. Uh, would make sense and what, you know, some of the science might be behind it or just what the logic is behind a particular plan. So I, I work at it that way. I don't I start from just some general, this is the one thing everybody has to know. It just, it, you know, it just varies. Well, I guess I was thinking of some of the thing, the firsts that would keep your dog out of trouble. So, so like recall that that's, to me, that seems like a very, very, very important thing to make sure your dog does properly. Yeah. Um, you know, stop, <laughs> sit. I mean, there there are instances where you don't want them running back to you across a busy street or something like that. So I guess I was thinking, well, I, what... I think somebody, right? Oh, of course. So that's all obedience training, right? That's all solid obedience training. And obedience training really starts on. I mean, again, if you're starting with a young puppy, or even if you're starting with a rescue that's a year, year and a half old, maybe has some background. Obedience, obedience training should be just part of your whole relationship with your dog. It's not just a functional thing. It's a big part of relationship building. You know, so second, the second, for example, the dog learns 
things, simple things like sits and downs and stays. I always tell people, you know, as soon as the dog learns these things, make your dog do them in exchange for stuff that matters to them, not just your treat, you know, so that, that, that these things become actually relevant to the dog's life. And they also become a bit of a way of, um, uh, you know, the, the power dynamic in the relationship. Basically, you, you have to say, please. You know, you have to ask me politely if you want something you, you know, you do for me before I do for you. So, you know, this kind of controversial word called leadership, which a lot of the positive only people want to deny that dominance and leadership play any kind of role in training. It's all about just transactions. I completely disagree. But, you know, what leadership and dominance mean has to be kind of reinterpreted from what it meant 30 years ago to people. But but part of it is controlling strategic resources and ask making the dog do things for you, you know, getting the dog to, oh, I see if I want my simple stuff. I want my dinner. I got to do a little sit and a down. Then I'll get my dinner. You do for me before I do for you. The same kind of attitude you'd want to inculcate in a child, you know, and that helps uh, smooth power flows and also teaches the dog to start looking to you for direction. You know, the dog starts to learn like from every aspect of his life that um, or her life that, um, that kind of everything flows from you. And that's a huge part of the relational dimension of, uh, of training. So, but that's, you know, that's like where transactional relational come together. You teach your dog, basic obedience with treats because that's the fastest way for most dogs not every dog but for 90 something percent of dogs a killer treat uh, in a few minutes is all you need to teach basic obedience skills um but then you want to start making them relevant to everything else and and, and start bridging this relational thing um with the dogs you know uh, and so like you just said it, it, in, it's in relation to everything i feel like it's also important with that to be the emotional leader to be able to say to them hey we got this everything's fine i'm not going to get upset and worried and freaked out and oh my god you're not doing this correctly i'm going to stay calm and hey we got this so that it's a respect with each other and the dog knows they can trust you and can rely on you to um always be the one who who is calm and and, and as centered as we can be yeah, no, I think, um, you know, that's one of the things I often say, I think it touches on what you were saying, which is um, I, I want to be the person through whom the world bec uh, becomes intelligible to the dog. In other words, the doggy world, you know, the, I mean, dogs basically operate like, you know, like most animals, right? They have, a, they have sensory impressions, you know, and depending on how their senses mm -hmm. are wired, your dog's keen on smell. And so they have, you, have, you, have, you have your sensory impressions and you have a bundle of what's called fixed action patterns, basically instincts, you know, and generally, you know, with an untrained dog or even, you know, an untrained human also or whatever, you basically, it's like sensory impressions meet fixed action patterns and behavior happens. Um, now in sort of a natural world or with, you know, maybe with, the, with their peers or well, actually with other dogs, even there, that's not enough. There has to be some learning. As we brought them into the human world and the rules in the human world are, are more complicated than just impulse and action. So, um, so I, you know, I feel like a part of the relational thing is we, if, if you're doing it right and kind of the way you were just saying is that we become, we become the vehicle through which the world becomes intelligible to the dog and makes sense. And whoever becomes, whoever plays that role, you know, is the person that makes the world intelligible for somebody else. Uh, that's, that goes deep, you know, that, that really goes deep. So that's what I, that's what I, the role I want to play for the dog is that through me, your world becomes intelligible. Um, your, your, your world, your life, sorry, your, your life in the human world becomes intelligible to you. And I'm the source of that. And I'm also a source of love and affection and resources and fun, et cetera. So, um, you know, that's what bonding and relationship building is all about. And then the, you know, 
over time, it takes time, like all relationships, the dog will, you know, this kind of deep trust will develop. Yeah, exactly. What are some of the most common mistakes you see when people are trying to correct their dogs, mistakes they make? Oh, just not knowing what to do, you know, like just being impulsive and, um, you know, uh, the dog does something they don't like. They just kind of yell. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. They're inconsistent. They don't really, under, you know, they're not taking time to understand what, what's driving the behavior um, or even thinking the whole thing through systematically, you know, a little bit. Um, I think that's that's the main issue. That's often why people come to somebody like me is they just they're confused. And they realize at a certain point, they realize this isn't going anywhere. The behavior is not getting any better. I tried all the stuff I remember from when I was a kid and we had a dog and none of it worked. So I better I better get some help. But I, I think lack of consistency and structure and just, you know, um, a kind of uh, in many cases, also just an unwillingness actually to play the leadership role, sort of under this kind of hypnosis of the positive only movement where you're never, you know, you're not, you know, again, leadership dominance and all that stuff become dirty words and everything's all about treats. Um, I think people are often very confused about how to actually um, address the different dimensions mm. in the dog. That's sure. beyond just, you know, thicker and a treat. I'm talking with Michael Wambacher, author of the new book, Integrated Dog Training. Can you give some advice for people at the dog park when there are, I want to talk about like the, the, whatever, uh, is it the right thing to say resource guarders when you've got a dog who's guarding their ball? Um, and then maybe another dog goes to run up to them and they get in a fight or for the owner whose dog is a resource guarder and other dogs run up. So, so there are less dog fights is basically what I'm asking. Can you clarify that question? I didn't get it. So I get that there's a dog at the park, resource guarding, and he's lashing out at the other dogs that are coming yes. his ball. Or yes. What's the question? Um, what advice do you give for either dog, either the owner of that dog? Well, I would give it to that owner, if that owner has that issue, don't bring your freaking dog to the park. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, got a dog. Why in the hell are you bringing it to the dog park? Get a trainer. And to help you, you know, and if, and if if the specific issue is object guarding, it's very simple. Don't bring an object. Like, so one, uh, you know, one of the things, I'm the training director at a place called Alpha Dog Lodging in Mill Valley, where I run the boarding and training and the service dog training program. I designed and run those programs. And, and you know, they have, they're, it's a big daycare, right? So one of the rules they have there, and this is a fireable offense on the first time. A terminable offense, leaving a toy or any kind of any kind of anything the dogs could content, uh, compete over out on the yard with the dog, you'll get fired immediately. So if you've got a dog that has issues with resources, it's very simple. Don't bring don't bring the ball to the go play ball someplace else where there aren't any dogs around. Go you know and if you see dogs coming, put the ball away for a while so it's, there's literally not that the you know the, the figurative bone of contention around. Um, it's really simple. I mean, it's appalling to me how many people bring uh, dogs to the dog park they know are iffy. Yes. Saying Russian, this is one of my hot buttons. I mean, I get I get very heated up very quickly about this um, because people do it all the time. And, I, you know, I've been at this for 30-something years. I think I've done, I don't know, something like 40,000 private consultations over those years and a lot of them out at the dog parks where I just see stuff that's just unconscionable. And, every um, time. Yes, every time. Uh, you can go to the dog park any time of the day and you will see that. And my dog would, my German shepherd used to love, 
to run after those dogs. She didn't want their balls. She wanted to just to chase them. But the people would yell, get your dog away from my dog. And I'm like, you're at the public dog park. That's right. Um, yeah, that happens to me all the time. I'd be down on Chrissy Field. I'm working with a dog. And then somebody will come up with their dog. And then say, my dog is aggressive. I'm like, why are you telling me? Get your dog and get the hell out of here. Right. You know. So like that's when I wanted you know to do the 21st century thing. Like start turning on your phone and recording, so you got evidence. I'm a, I'm a real you know, I'm very hard about that these days. I've just had so many incidents like that. I, I at this point I'll throw the book at people. I'll call animal control. I have a vicious and dangerous dog here, and I'll take it all the way because it's all it's the only way these people ever learn. Wow. Uh, because you know what happens is I, I just I, again I see this all the time. They they know their dog fights. Um, they don't care. Nobody does anything. People just like that. Maybe they have an argument and then they leave. And then that person just migrates over to another park for a few weeks before circling back to that one. But they never take responsibility for the dog. And, and people are generally too, um, they just don't want to get involved. So they'll just leave, you know, so, but there's never any consequences for that individual. So I tend to, I, I do what I can to provide consequences. <laughs> yeah. By calling animal control. You know, San Francisco has a whole a department of just for this, for dog, but they have a whole, uh, um, vicious and dangerous dog hearing process, you know. So I um, I get people's names, like, or I photograph the name tags of the dogs if I can get my hands on them, and I call the police. I, I just I'm just done with it. It's it's so common and it's so completely avoidable. What's so sad is you know, that dozens of trainers in the city, you know, uh, more than that, you know. So if you have a if these days, there's no excuse. If you have a dog with a behavioral issue, um, get help. <laughs> it's there it's very sad because the, sometimes the people are well-meaning but they don't know how to handle it and then other times no they they actually feel empowered and emboldened by having a quote unquote vicious dog and you know that's another thing altogether but what happens when animal control gets a hold of a dog that they've that has been reported as a vicious dog what happens well, that basically everybody freaks out. They're going to put my dog down. No, they right. Down. What they what 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 happens is you have to have a hearing. So then there's a hearing. There's a hearing officer, and you got to go down. And then you know you make your case. You present your evidence. If the hearing officer then decides this dog is a danger to the public, then on the first offense, then basically the owner of the dog a has to has to show that they've get they're getting training, and the dog has to be muzzled and muzzled and leashed in public. If they are then later found to not be muzzled and leashed in public and there's another incident, then they could probably, I'm not sure what most people kind of get it together at that point. I'm not sure what the next step is, but at some point they can confiscate the dog. Right. Um, But generally once people have the cops show up at their door and they have to go to a vicious and dangerous dog hearing, they tend to get it together. You know, I hope so for the dog's sake as well as their sake. But of course, in in this case, I just, I mean, feel for the dog uh, and I just wonder find all the dogs because I don't want other dogs hurt by being in contact and getting into a fight and getting bitten by that dog and because that's happened to me too with my dogs um, you know when another dog went went nuts on them because my dog you know ran up and was like oh that's a ball I don't want your ball I just want to chase you and the dog's like on that side of things the on that side of things, the one you know, when I work my my clients down, especially where we're doing recall work down at Christie Field and places like that, 
Um, I uh, teach dogs you're not allowed to chase. You're not allowed. You're never allowed to go after other dogs' toys. So if I have, if I have a client who's got a ball crazy dog and they see somebody else throw their ball with the chuck it for their dog and they start going after it, I teach them they cannot go. They they good, 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 good. Go yeah. No, my dogs never ran after other people's toys. Right. No, 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 no. No, that's a good thing to teach, and that's a good thing for people to know that they. Yes, they can teach their dog that. Go after your own ball only. Don't go after someone yeah. else's. Go after it, but anything anybody else is throwing, it's just something I, I'm a bit of a, I don't know if I can say this on the radio, kind of a hard ass about it. Um, you don't ever get to go chase. You can chase, you know, you know, there's some dogs that'll take the ball and they want to get a chase game going from the other dog. So that's fine. Just chase, and you know, if, the, if the other dog is into the game, but if the other dog is clearly in its game with its owner and the other owner is throwing a dog, it's, I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit hard on that one because yeah, that's exactly good. That you describe because it just it, it just never leads to anything good. <laughs> no, I, no, I agree, I agree, and that's why I would tell the owner, no, my dogs don't want your dog's ball. They they just thought your dog was running and they could chase your dog for fun. That's all, <laughs> and and it usually worked out fine. Um, and uh, I have lots of other questions and issues to ask you about, but we are actually down to the last few minutes. So, would you be willing to stick around for a second show? Of course. Hey, yay. <laughs> then let me give you this last minute to tell me one last thing that you would like to impress upon everyone. Train your dogs. Buy my book. <laughs> <laughs> Train your dogs. By buy way, my book. <laughs> I teach classes. I teach classes on Saturdays down there. Cesar Chavez in 101, uh, beginning, intermediate, advanced. And, and that's I in San Francisco. Boarding. Okay. So I teach classes Wednesday nights in Mill Valley at the Woodlands Pet Shop. And I also, like I said, I run the boarding and training. I designed and run the boarding and training program at Alpha Dog Lodging, also in Mill Valley. And we're starting a really great service dog training program, both for people who have specific services like scent detection of various kinds, but also, but my particular interest is um, uh, training uh, dogs for P combat veterans with PTSD. Oh, 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 we're definitely going to talk about that in our next show then. Um, so but we've got listeners from all over the world. So do you have videos as well? I, um, yeah, I have videos on my website and I have okay. a good dog baby.com website there are a couple of video courses that people can buy for not very expensive that have to do with uh, introducing a, a baby into the house with, with <gasps> the dogs already there. That's um, great. And, and Ask. I'm actually next week. I have a video crew coming into town, uh, and we're going to shoot a video course to go with this book, Integrated Dog Training, sort of the A to Z, how to train your dog. And that should be, I don't know how long it'll take to get up, but we're going to do all the video in the next week and a half or so. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I, I love the fact that the book is is my hometown. So it, I get to see the Golden Gate Bridge in the background. And my beautiful oh, Chrissy Field was my German Shepherd's absolute favorite place on earth. So um, she's, uh, yeah, she's got some ashes buried out there, but um, she so oh. she could still run free and, and uh, enjoy her favorite place. Find out more about Michael Wambacher and his book, Integrated Dog Training, The Common Sense Visual Guide to Training Any Dog at doggonegood.com. 
doggonegood.org. That's the website, doggonegood.org. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for hanging out with me. We'll do a second show here in a second. And thank you, everyone, for hanging out on Mind, Body, Paws, Holistic Living for you and your animals. I'm Charlie Kale. If you need some de-stressing and want to boost your immune system in the process, email or call me about distant healing Reiki on Zoom, FaceTime, or over the phone for you or your animals anywhere in the world. Go to charliekale.com, C-H-A-R-L-Y-K-A-Y-L-E.com. You can also find past shows on there as well as on my page at Empower Radio. And thanks to my sponsor, Communication with All Life University with Joan Ranquette, an online and in-person accredited university program devoted to helping you develop yourself to help animals. Go to joanranquette.com and check out our Facebook page for lots of free classes. Thank you, Brent Carey, the founder and CEO of Empower Radio, and Tony Ficini in the studio in Detroit. Take care and remember that no matter what's going on with your animals, don't beat yourself up thinking you could have done better because you're doing the best you can. They know it and they chose you anyway and they love you for it. Mind Body Pause is a guilt-free zone. See you next time. I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Mediumship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.